dead. Dead. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Craft Beer is Dead. This is one of our spooky, scary segments. Um, I am one of your hosts, Bree the Pint Size Traveler, and this episode will be directed by... Chris Face. Chris Face. Hey, Internet. He's uh, he's making me very uncomfortable already because of how excited he is over this story. Um, he's been talking about it for three days straight. A bit. <laughs> I mean, I do my research, you know, yeah. I mean? you got to really get into it. So my expectations are pretty high and I believe yours should be as well. So, so the, one of the reasons why I got really excited about this one. So let's let's reel it back for a second. Um, part of the series we're doing leading up to Halloween, talking about maybe the inspiration for a lot of characters, places, things like that. And very, very popular horror movies. And, you know, if you have listened to stories or read books on things like that before, you're obviously going to know this name. Um there's probably not a lot of new information in this, but like if you've never heard of this guy, like also stay tuned because you're going to hear just the weirdest things that humanity is capable of that no one had any idea was happening right across the street from them. And you've never heard of I this I don't person. know anything about you this. You just know the name. Yeah. Okay. And barely, too. Yeah. All right. So, um, and yet another reason why like I personally am very excited about this one, um, I got really really into you know just kind of researching serial killers and true crime and stuff like that at an early age probably around like 14 or 15 um, oh my god <laughs> and there's a reason for that though so when i was growing up well, did you your know, parents watch those shows and stuff like that not really no so huh. but it was kind of a parental aspect of things too because so when i was growing up my mom worked at universal studios mm -hmm. so um as a form of childcare, she would take me with her allegedly and just let me Allegedly. run around. Yeah, just let me like run around fucking Universal by myself. And it was awesome. Now, no one is feeling bad for your childhood thus no, far. <laughs> no, seriously. Like I am supremely beyond fortunate that that happened. Um, but one of my favorite things to, to do at Universal was the horror makeup show. Have you ever been to that one at all? No, actually. You've never been to that? No. You would fucking love it. Really? I oh, yeah. didn't even know. So the whole premise is they, they basically have a host and then they have a special effects artist and there's some comedy and there's some spooky and all that Ooh. kind of stuff, right? Hmm. And so they show how they do a lot of these effects in horror movies. And for me at the time, you know, at like, you know, anywhere from like 11 to 13, scary movies are kind of a big like, uh, they kind of reel away yeah. from them. Like, especially at that time, you're trying to prove you're brave, you want to watch them, but also you don't want to pee yourself. And you don't want to call your anymore. mom in the middle of the night because you can't sleep over your friends anymore. A thousand percent. <laughs> um, so when I was like, when I would go to the show all the time, um, they basically kind of demystified a lot of the horror movies. And so for a second there, it almost lulls you into a sense of complacency. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they would show scenes like from uh, from Psycho, where it was the you know the stabbing in the shower scene, which, spoiler alert, that happens. Yeah. It's been like 60 years, so you should know by now. <laughs> and then they I also... don't remember that. Oh, really? No, I'm telling you. There is... I, I almost... That one? Oh, yeah. Okay, got you. Um, so then they also showed a scene in the movie where, like, the lead female character kind of comes up behind the, like, the mother, the suppressing figure, rolls around, and she's been dead for years. She's like a skeleton in a chair. She flips out. It's crazy, right? <laughs> So at the age, it freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. And then as I looked into it, I found out all that shit's based on someone. Did you know that? No. Okay. No. So uh, 
I think it's important to truly understand the gravity of the story because, you know, there's a lot of horror movies that may not seem interconnected. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of very famous characters in these movies that may not seem interconnected or may seem so far out of the realm of possibility that we don't even put into perspective that this was a person doing this in a house in a neighborhood somewhere. So he basically was uh, helped create Norman Bates from Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was an yeah. influence for Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, wow. And also for Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yep. wow. So, I only knew about the first one. So. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is these are three very different uh, character types. Yeah. But obviously all, creepily enough, very, very well pulled from this one specific person. Um, so going into it, we have... 1906 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, Edward Theodore Gein was born to George Gein and Augusta Gein. Um, there's not really a lot about the father. Um, George was a heavy alcoholic, was was known to be extremely lazy. Um, even when they started their own business later on down the road, he basically was just kind of a layabout, didn't really do anything. And the mother, Augusta, resented him immensely for that. Mm. Um, there's also... A uh, story that I came across about George, the father specifically, that he was possibly orphaned at the age of three after his family was swept away in a river. Ooh. So he just didn't have anything really growing up. Wow. And he apparently was uh, adopted as a farmhand and like nothing more. So he slept out in the stable. Just used as a worker. That's it. Wow. It wasn't part of the family. It wasn't anything like so that. So he just grew up very cold, very, probably not a lot of emotion, no love, no hugs. Yeah. A lot of alcohol, apparently. A lot of alcohol. That was his hugs. So he um, unfortunately also apparently abused the the family later on down the road, uh, abused Augusta. Now, Augusta is a huge predominant role in this story. Hmm. Um, it's often said that like this whole mother-son relationship going awry thing can essentially stem from a case like Ed and Augusta. Wow. Um, so Augusta was raised in a, a horrifically overzealous and judgmental like religious household. Um, and nothing against religion. Do it. Do it great. Believe in whatever you want, but be a good person. Yeah. Don't be like this chick who like literally was known in the towns as far as just walking up to people and be like, oh, you're going to hell. Shoving it down their throat. Yeah. Like not even that, but just like you're a fucking slut and you're going to hell because of this, this and this. So just super judgmental and just sticking it where it doesn't belong. Um, not necessarily that. I mean, her opinion. Like she walks up to so not, oh my God. (laughs) She was very much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying she was a hoe. (laughs) No, ironically enough, that's the one thing she was super against. So she eventually developed this mindset after growing up that, uh, all men are pigs and all women are whores and that sexual depravity basically accounted for all of the problems in the entire world. Right. Hmm. And then after reading that, like that whole aspect of her, like I couldn't help but picture her watching like Maury or Jerry Springer nowadays and just <laughs> yeah. losing her fucking yes. shit. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'd pay to watch that for an hour. Um, <laughs> one of the negative parts of it, like we just touched on was she was often just to give you some perspective as far as the, the personality of Augusta. Right. So she was obviously part of a very kind of abusive family household. Um, she was often beat by uh, George in front of the children. But to give you kind of an idea of her psychology on it, while that was happening, she was basically just yelling things like, you're going to die an early death. Fuck you. And what I assume are things like your fists are like pillows and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So So he was was already a piece of shit, but she may have like been kind of talking shit. At this. The same, not say implying that like deserving it, but like if he was going to smack her once and then she talks some shit and then he fucking like with clocker it probably wasn't helping for de-escalation you know exactly yeah Yeah, that was a better term no it's okay um (laughs) no but like so 
so with that, I mean, she was just known for being, no one did anything right. No one was was above her. She was the one who basically decided whether or not you were a good person. And um, it caused a lot of problems, obviously, in their marriage. Um, Ed's brother, Henry, was born a few years before him. Henry kind of had like a little bit of a standoffish relationship with her. He obviously still held his mother to a certain uh, esteem because it is his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Ed was born, um, her her instincts still didn't kick in, like her old motherly instinct thing. So she constantly told Ed that you were supposed to be a girl. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, you were supposed to be born a girl, and then that's when my mothering instincts would kick in, and all this stuff was supposed to kick in oh then. Oh, my God. And just constantly just belittled the two of them all the time. And, you know, this this wasn't just, like, for a brief stint of his life. This was for Ed's entire life, as we'll get into a little bit later. And to give you... Now, if you're listening right now, um, we're going to get into some graphic stuff and some very uncomfortable things, but these are things that have actually physically happened, um, and they do kind of play into the story as far as how Ed has developed... So, you know, it's not that they need to be said, but they can be said to offer some perspective. And this isn't said to be some sort of gross out factor. No, and you want everyone to stay pretty open minded because it's almost the this case in particular could go either way for people in how you feel about him. Right. Yeah, I think, it. you know, this is one of those cases where and we'll talk about it a little bit at the end, like toward the end when everything was found out. It became the sensational kind of uh, subject, especially in the in the middle of nowhere where no one thought this was possible. What was the year again? Uh, this was well. It, so he was born in 1906, 1906. Uh, but okay. nothing was really found out until I think 1954, 1957. Okay. We'll get to. Um, but it, kind of what you just brought up was like it is important to understand these things because in a world where we do live in black and white, and mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, "Oh, you're a monster." Yes, yeah. he was a monster. Absolutely. But there's also things that like drove him to that point. Nurture versus nature. Exactly. And, yeah. Or a mixture of the two. And yeah, that's, not, that's true. Yeah. That's why everyone always says nature versus... It could be a mixture. Yeah, It's exactly. not a verse. It could be a full concoction. There's of a lot of gray area in that black yeah, and white. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with that being said, too, that's not to belittle or demean any of the negative or wrong things that he has obviously done. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can all hopefully be a little bit more adult enough to hear these things and understand how it got there, whether or not we agree with uh, what the end process was. Does okay. that make sense? Yes. All right. Cool. I think it'll make a lot more at the end, but it makes sense now enough. So to give you some contextual information as far as like how, um, you know, Augusta and Ed's relationship was or Augusta's in, like basically influence on Ed and his realm as far as what, how he saw himself, how he saw sexuality, um, how he saw relationships with women. Um, there's a couple different incidents. There's one that was noted when he was 12 years old. Um, he was caught masturbating in a bathtub. Um, teenage boys do that and they're gross. Yeah. Um, but I feel like nowadays, like there's even sitcoms and movies made about it. where like, oh, they're here and they just move on. No one talks about it. It's awkward for a week in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what she did instead oh, God. was run in, grab him by some, some material, if you will. And essentially just screamed at him saying that this is the tool of the devil and this is why there are woes in the world and this oh is your God. curse as a man. So she made him think he literally had to pent up everything. <laughs> um, this isn't later on or anything like that. I didn't actually have this in the notes, but from one thing that I read, it's uh, it's surmised that he was just a virgin when he died. Hmm. And like he died at, like in his late 70s. So like, Oh my God. Yes. So that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with. You're literally wow. impressing that kind of belief on a child who's forming what should be formative years on sexuality and what it means. Because at that point, things. he's believing her. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, it, and one thing that we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, too, is, you know, uh, I forget when exactly it was. Uh, 1914, I'm sorry. 
Um, so this was after they had moved. In 1940, they moved to Plainfield, Wisconsin. Um, they had dropped their family business. They started working on a farm that they had bought. Um, and then this was this just made them extremely secluded. So um, oh. based off what I've heard of your upbringing, like you kind of live a little bit more of a farm lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So like you're familiar with the day to day things and just like, you know, uh, you're you... not going to have friends over every other day or anything because no. they don't live close enough to do that. So mm-hmm. you're with your family and yourself most of the day. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's kind of like some argue that that was Augustus's plan was essentially to remove the children from all the woes in the world and all these harlotins and all these bad, depravable kind of things, right? So there was the bathtub incident, which obviously had a profound effect on them. Um, There was another incident where Augusta had always had a hard rule that the the Henry and Ed were to stay away from the slaughterhouse. Like, so they had a shed where they would slaughter animals and those Mm. kind of things. And, you know, being on a farm aspect, those hate them. They have Why didn't she want them by it? Not entirely sure. Okay. Um, but one day, uh, he basically kind of crept up, started seeing what was happening, and it was one of the first times he'd ever been oh. privy to... She was basically field-dressing a hog. Mm. And, you know, if you're not familiar with that, I won't go into the details, but I think we've all pretty much seen movies and photos, and it's not exactly the cleanest thing in the world. No. So They're usually hanging, and yes, it's a whole scene. <laughs> exactly. And Especially you, for a kid who has never witnessed that before. Yeah. And so, you've been around that before, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting, right? <laughs> I mean, back then I was. Yeah, yeah exactly. now it's not. But So the problem with this is that he became sexually aroused and oh, wow. eventually um, had a, a finishing moment, if you will, while watching this. And again, oh my God. in true Augusta fashion, instead of just like telling him to get the hell out of there and all that kind of stuff, she brought him in, made him she look at directly. She knew that this, he was. So yeah, basically <laughs> made him face the pig and then like basically just kind of demeaned him in front of the animal. And then again, in a very formative kind of. Uh, point in his life he's being shown a weird response to something he doesn't understand which that's just ludicrous because that's just a very typical thing that 15 year old boys are doing well i mean like not getting boners during pig slaughters (laughs) okay chris (laughs) i mean the whole you know touching your pp type of thing is pretty standard right Um, that's about the time where you start uh Learning what your bits and pieces are. I mean, admittedly, it's a weird time for him to find that out. But like <laughs> the immediate reaction to that by his mother and how she handled that situation, like it's hard to argue that that didn't form some sort of something that definitely manifested oh, later. God, on. yeah, yeah. So, um, like we mentioned a second ago, in 1914 they'd moved to uh, Plainfield, Wisconsin. Um, now they were far more secluded than ever, and Ed had an even harder time fitting in as they rarely left the farm, kind of like you spoke about. So um, did he go to school? Was he homeschooled? He did go to school. Okay. Um, problem was is that he was always just kind of socially awkward. Yeah. Um, he had a slight growth on his eye, so he was often made fun of for that. And he also had kind of like a weird little lisp kind of thing. Oh, my God. Um, so, so were his parents related? Um, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, did anyone look into that yet? Because that's a lot of shit yeah that's like physical and mental shit like well, nature versus nurture yes, so like dealt like a bad hand of cards absolutely but once you start adding all the different little <laughs> things that is kind of wrong with them just getting in the little uh, inbred kind of section yeah <laughs> and, then, and then as we go on to like you'll start seeing like oh that's why this guy was fucking odd because he just okay. has a lot of these things like Again, they're they're almost storybook, but they might be storybook for a reason because yeah. they come from an actual place. Someone like Ed, right? Okay. So, um, 
like I said, he, he had the growth in his eye. He had a little bit of a speech impediment. He was uh, he had time looking people in the eye. So, like, mm. he got picked on really, really mm. hard. So one would think that he'd be able to get some sort of reprieve from all the weird, like, you know, just domineering kind of oppressive judgment at home. Whereas when he went out and about, he's just constantly bullied, constantly made still fun of. Still being judged yeah. and still, yeah. So that's his world. And, and he thinks that's everybody then. If that's his own mother and then that's like who he's facing at school, he probably, don't you think he would think that's just the, how the world is? So what does that do to reinforce his mother's narrative? Yeah. It basically just yeah. shows that, he, that she's right. Now, Very while true. she might be a terrifying figure, it basically just like it proves her narrative saying yeah. that the world is wicked. Now, I'm the only one who's ever going to love you, yep. and that this is the only safe place for you, even if it is a horror show. <laughs> Creepy fuck, right? Yeah. So, um, not only that, so when, when Ed did randomly make friends from time to time, Augusta often scolded him, saying that they were wicked people, saying that they shouldn't be around, and basically just kind of alienated her son, for lack of better terms, from basically making any friends or any social connections. God. So, um, this lifestyle went on for nearly 20 years and he lived with her that long too he lived with yep. her almost like we'll go over that oh. but this was like a family household so everyone kind of lived on the farm yeah um like even up until like the 40s when uh we'll go over like henry's kind of uh departure mm-hmm. um oh because he's still in the picture oh that's yeah, a, okay the brother's yeah still there, the brother's right? still there so and again like we had talked about earlier keep in mind that you know ed's really leaning into this relationship with augusta whereas like henry's starting to see like oh like i'm gonna pull back a little bit yeah you know, I'm going to be part of the family, but also, like, I'm not falling for shit kind of yeah. thing, right? So, uh, this lifestyle went on for nearly 20 years until his dad died in the 1930s, or the mid-1930s. So, um, again, just kind of a lazy layabout, kind of uh, wasn't really known for much toward the later end of his years. Mm-hmm. They don't really say exactly how he died. Um, I Like, no one ever suspected anything weird or anything like that, but basically he was just gone one day. And uh, Augusta made a very, very, very quick turnaround on telling everyone how much of a piece of shit he was. And that basically she poisoned him. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) it might be murder. Um, But with with the father out of the picture, not that he did much. The Gein brothers kind of had to take up a little bit of work to kind of help out the family. Right. So whereas Henry kind of found some uh, some work as like a foreman for a construction company. Mm. um, Ed found jobs babysitting. Which, okay. uh, weirdly enough, once you find out about the guy, is going to sound really creepy. But according to the town, like, he was great with kids. Hmm. Like, he just seemed to get along really, really well with them. Because they probably didn't judge him. They didn't know any better. Exactly. Yeah. And you, one could argue, too, that developmentally speaking, maybe he didn't make it past uh, a specific very age true. bracket in his own mind. So maybe that's just where he felt comfortable specifically. Yeah. The guy could barely hold a conversation with adults. But when it came to kids, he was just, he, it was natural to him. And did ever anyone ever suspect he also, I mean, you know, totally out there, would he be on the spectrum maybe? You know, there's just a lot of, I know the mom had a lot to do with the way he was and how he interacted with people, but. I think, and we'll go over, I don't, I didn't read anything spectrum wise. Yeah. Um, but there are some things nowadays that we kind of identify as like a normal kind of like, not deviance, that's a terrible word, but a normal kind of sway away from what people would consider the norm. Okay. Um, we actually have terms for a couple things now where back then they just thought you were weird or loony or okay. you just hid that shit away. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, this went on for a few years. And, and so in 1944, uh, Henry approached Ed about his devotion to Augusta being a little too overzealous. 
Um, the townsfolk had noticed, and Henry was concerned that his reverence for Augusta might have hit like an unhealthy level. Mm. Just this very strong bond. He basically put her in like a saint-like mentality, right? Oh my god! So this kind of really rubbed the wrong way, and it never really manifested until a little a couple months later, right? So when the two brothers had started a controlled burn that had gotten out of hand. The two split up to try to keep it contained. Shortly thereafter, Ed arrived in town, panicked and wild-eyed, saying he didn't know where his brother was. A local search party was assembled, and Ed led them to the area of the burn. And oddly enough, though, for a guy who didn't know where his brother was, he led them straight to the location of Henry's body. Hmm. Yeah. So the autopsy, or autopsy concluded that the death was caused by the fire, but the weird parts were is that the body didn't really show any signs of burning, nor did his clothes. Just Even like smoke inhalation, maybe? Possibly, but he was laying in a scorched patch. Oh. And then also he had massive bruises on his face and his neck. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like something might have happened to him. Okay. Yeah. So some people speculate, and it kind of leans into it. Uh, that I mean, the was, bruises alone, you don't really have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, know? this is probably Ed's first murder. Yeah. But, wow. But um, it's important to understand how the town perceived Ed, right? So he basically just got off with it because when they asked I mean, him, he was like- He's watching their kids. He's watching their kids, and he just seems like a simpleton. He mm-hmm. seems like the nicest guy in the world who wouldn't hurt a fly. At this point- um, he was a little odd. He was socially awkward. And most of the people saw him as like simple old Ed. Yeah. And he got along great, like you said, with the town kids. He was utterly, if not too much so, devoted to his mother and would always skip out on deer hunting trips because he basically proclaimed that blood made him squeamish. Oh, my God. So he was that kind of guy. <laughs> now, a lot of the stories talked about specifically skipping out on deer hunting trips. I don't think he, this is just a side note. Um, and again, I'm no fucking detective. Um <laughs> I don't think he was squeamish about blood, as we'll find out later on. He was afraid of getting a boner in front of people? Yes! He was afraid of murder boners! Yes! (laughs) Oh, God. So glad you found that little egg at the end of that hole. No, but seriously, like, he probably skipped out on these trips because, like... 100%. One of his first sexual experiences is watching a deer get field-dressed. Or, I'm sorry, a a pig get field-dressed. So, if you're just sitting and having a few beers after the day's hunt then you're kind of worried that you're going to pop one. There is no doubt in my mind that that's why he did that. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm so glad you're on the same path with that one. So thank you. I'm glad we're on the same murder boner. So page. whether it be murder boners, uh, keeping him. From is that his- going to be the name of this episode? <laughs> it is now. It is now. Um, so whether or not like that's what actually kept him away mm-hmm. from these specific uh, trips he was basically just kind of known for not wanting to be around things that like was like offsetting or off-putting and things like that. So again, mm-hmm. very simple, very just easy to deal with, uh, very just kind of shy, squeamish. That kind and the of people thing. thought, it was like, oh, that's sweet. He yeah. can't see blood. And Aww. not only that, like, oh, his dad just died. Now his brother oh, yeah. just died. Poor yeah. Ed. And now he's just there with his mom on the farm. And, and they know how she is, so. Exactly. Okay. So um, also just a little tick that I had here for, for what like Ed's perception was. Everyone kind of pointed out that he always had this weird, like, he would look like, look down and up to the right or to the left or whatever when he looked at people. And he always had, like, this glancing smirk and, like, random giggles when he didn't fully understand what was going on or kind of as, like, a punctuation. Just like a nervous tick, maybe. Just like a little nervous giggle. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, if somebody was like, hey, Ed, so, like, you know, why don't you go, you know, talk to Miss So and so? He'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. So that's Ed's perception, right? Okay. So, very quickly. He just seemed very sweet. Everything you say, he just comes off as a very. Yeah, yeah I mean, after this, yeah. if you're ever curious, go watch his videos of him. He just looks like the most, like, just simple dude. I just want to see a picture simple of him now. Dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely I'll look him up, up or, now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but this is where we start running into what happens when a very unhealthy relationship 
gets dropped on the floor. Do you want to check that? <laughs> I, I mean, want you to break their glass. No, my phone is already fucked. I know it's probably even worse now. All right. Um, these are the real things that happen. The real bits, ladies and gentlemen. Nope. She's same about to hit her always. hat on the mic. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have if you didn't say that. No, but seriously, with uh, with this happening, now it's just Ed and his mother at the farm. Ed's in his late 30s now. Um, Augusta's like mid-60s uh, or so. Um, and this is kind of a testament to what can happen if somebody who may have developmental issues is left in a caustic environment unchecked, mm-hmm. right? So this is kind of what we talked about earlier with that gray area in between. When we start hearing about what he's about to start doing, yes, it's terrifying. Yes, it's disgusting. And yes, it's depravable. It's, it's awful. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not saying that this dismisses what he's done. It's easy to see how he got there, yeah. literally only living in this specific environment his entire life. Absolutely. Right? So is there child services during this time? Um, I, probably not, right? I wouldn't. I honestly don't know. Um, but even then, at this point, he's vol. He's a, he's a I mean, grown man. he's thirty. I know, but yeah. I'm just thinking like back if there was just anything like the townspeople knowing that his mom was the way she was. So, and then if there was just somehow, some way, something they could have done in the beginning. It's possible. You know? but again, this was. But one it's of those, so long ago. I feel like that wasn't established was, yet. You know, like when when everything was found, he, it was 1950s. Yeah. So like this was small town Wisconsin. Yeah. Like 800 people on a good day kind of thing. Right? Yeah. So. Everyone just kind of kept to themselves. And if there were weird, like, were odd issues or weird things like that, it was often just kind of thrown under the rug. They deal with it's their family. It's that family's problem. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So, um, with George and Henry out of the way, Ed had everything he could ever want. It was just a boy and his mother. However, after suffering a series of strokes, Augusta died nearly a year after Henry had passed away. And it was said that due to her reputation, her funeral was sparsely attended. However, Ed no was there. No way. Yeah, right. Front row, completely inconsolable. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it was around this time that Ed found himself without his constant guidance in life. He began spending hours reading books on a wide array of controversial historical subjects, including Nazis, headhunters, body snatchers. Um, this part right here kind of speaks out to me as though, like, a kid whose parents have left for the night for the first time. Like, mm, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. I can do whatever I want. I can eat all the I, candy. Exactly. I can eat all the candy. Ooh, I'm going to read this book about Get as ghosts. many murder boners as I want now. Oh, all the murder boners. <laughs> um, but that's what this this kind of really hits me as. In this next few years following Augusta's death, it's almost, again, I'm not, I don't know if it was ever fully quantified, but just reading the information, you could almost, again, agree that uh, there had to be some sort of stoppage on his development at a specific yeah. level because, you know, the, the next coming actions and the thought processes aren't that of a grown man who's been through trauma um, and just is dealing with it unhealthily. This is almost the mindset of like a child who doesn't know right from wrong. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, again, reading books on Nazis, headhunters and body snatchers, he later said he wanted to become a doctor. But with only himself in pure isolation, his frenzied reading began to give way to a dark series of actions. Um, in this time frame, you know, when he would go out into town and he would talk to local people, um, he was also known for creeping them the fuck out by constantly talking about the way that Nazis had, had you know, kept mem- or memorials of, you know, people they had murdered or hmm. body snatchers in the 1800s or... So just very odd topics that yes. he just wanted to always talk about. And, and honestly, now, if I'm sitting down with somebody and they bring that up, I'll be like, let's do that. But if you're in 1950s Plainfield, Wisconsin... <laughs> I was just about to make a joke, be like, it sounds like every day with you. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've kept away the murder boners, but... 
No, I mean, in 1950s Wisconsin, it's a very like unsettling, off, off-putting kind of yeah. way to com- uh, conversate about people. Yeah. And so that's when the, the town started going, all right, it's, it, it's no longer that he's odd. It's that something might be off about him. So they stopped letting him watch their kids. Eventually, yes. And we'll get into that, too. Um, we'll talk about that. Don't worry. We'll come back to that one. Should we... Uh, when does it get gory? Because I feel like I need um, a beer right before that. Okay. So... <laughs> We'll pause here. Is it cl- we'll we're getting close. Uh, I feel like we're getting close because now we're, we're he's in his thirties. So now I'm. I mean, this is. I mean, some people don't 30s. run marathons till they're fifty. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, who's to say that age should be a factor here? I know. I just figured we were getting close. All right. So just to kind of alleviate your woes, um, <laughs> we are drinking uh, a beer from Outer Range today. It's called In the Steep. Thank you so much for bringing this. I've never had one by them. Actually, I want to thank um, Annabelle and Dano. Uh, oh, nice. They just got back from Colorado. Um, and they were kind enough to bring this back for me, so I figured we'd share it on this on this stuff. Very so, cool. I've been to dying them. to try them. I hadn't heard anything about them, but according to uh, according to them, it's it's the tits. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Now it's a lot of um, people trade for this and shit. Oh shit. Yeah. No, well, it's a really. Why good. am I wasting it on you then? <laughs> That's why I would, like looked out on the table. I was like, wow, Chris, like you're being really nice today. <laughs> no. So uh, yeah. So outer range. They are out of Colorado. Um, Frisco, Colorado specifically. This one is a uh, purely citra hopped India pale ale at 6.7%. Um, it smells dope as fuck. What do you got? You look like you're doing research. Because uh, I really like how you started incorporating um, their core beers. Mm-hmm. Because as I you know listen to our episodes, I'm like, oh, this is actually a very good idea on Chris's end. Because when we talk about this stuff, maybe they sell out the next day. Maybe they're already sold out because it's just like a one-off beer. So mm-hmm. it's nice to, you know. Well, and also for like a, like a love standpoint too. I mean, like yeah. obviously we're you know we're like any other asshole in the beer industry where we're just like give us the coolest and the weirdest <laughs> and all that stuff. But like also we want to show some love too uh, for those breweries who are out there, kind of like pushing the the core four or whatever your profile or portfolio is there too. You know what I mean? Oh, that's fantastic. That does not it's suck little, at all. That is pretty dope. Yeah, a little dank. It's a little tingly on the mouth, like in a good way. Anyway. Hmm. Go I'm trying back. to like see what you mean. It's got a like a little. It got a little tingle in my my soul from it. All right, as long as we don't get in any murder boners. <laughs> How many times can we say that before every listener's just like just fuck. about to say? Can we just turn this episode into a drinking game? So with your beer that you have, you have to drink every time we say murder boner. But <laughs> if I go to say neuropathy or make up a word that I was going like to say, boner, I don't. Is that a word? You have to finish the whole beer because gotcha. It's almost like Samsonite or Chicago. Um, if, you, if any of you understood any of that, I think I praise thee. I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So, again, at this point, we have Ed kind of by himself in a very exploratory kind of mindset on his own farm, right? So, during these years, too, uh, he's basically boarded up Augusta's house or her, uh, her room. Um, he's, it's almost like the shrine. I was just about to say it's a shrine, isn't it? But he doesn't go in there. You know what I mean? So like, even when they, when they finally arrested him, like it was just covered in a layer of dust. Right. So it was just sequestered off. The rest of the house just went into total shit. He's got beans everywhere. He's got food scraps. There's bugs. There's all this kind of stuff. And you said they buried her, right? 
What's that? You said they buried her, right? I would assume so. Okay, I didn't yeah. know if... They didn't really say much about that. In the that. very, very beginning, before we started recording, you, we were talking about scary movies, and you mm-hmm. referenced something in a chair. Oh, yeah, yeah. So no. I was kind of thinking oh, no, you no, were no, going to no. like... She wasn't like... You know what I mean? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was no, like literally her room thing. was like a shrine, and he left her in there. Oh, that'd be gross. That's what I thought you were so going to say. So much thing. Okay, so... Um, okay, so at this point, too, it's important to revisit the idea of escalation. Uh, here he begins a series of events, which in itself is not completely harmful or disturbing, but again, left unchecked can, and sadly does, end in terrible occurrences uh, for you know post-mortem people as well as people who are alive. Okay. So at this point, Ed begins visiting graveyards, nothing nefarious at first, but over time, he eventually escalated to acting out what he had read about body snatchers. So at some point, he kicks off this idea of like, all right, I just want to like see it. Or I just want to like pull something out. So which what's body snatching really? Just so like people snatching, just go in and take them and. So it, actually, essentially, what happened? Um, there was a, a huge in the in the medical boom, right? Um, there was this massive needs for bodies because oh. people would basically just do open surgeries to kind of like showcase for for education and those kind of things. Hmm. Um, but oftentimes, like people didn't want their loved ones going under those sorts of procedures because it was often believed religiously that. You know, they couldn't descend to heaven or, or ascend to heaven um, or that it was just sacrilegious and those hmm. kind of things. Right. So there was a huge systemic problem in a lot of medical uh, communities, uh, which I hope to get into with Jess in a future episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, where basically people would just go in. They robbed. The, they basically raped or robbed the grave. Um, they'd sell the body to a medical or a medical examiner and then just dip out. So hmm. this happens so frequently that like. Companies started selling like anti-theft things for coffins and oh or God. would hire people to watch over their bodies for a week or And it's, that's how like grave uh, guards really started? A, possibly, yeah. Probably, I mean, you, right? You could, you could argue that or that might have been like a huge duty for them at the time. Yeah. Duty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a huge problem. So huh. um, when he started reading about body snatchers and grave robbers and things like that, you know, walking around a graveyard is one thing. This is where we start getting into the really fucked up stuff where... Somewhere he decides he wants to start taking pieces. So starts digging up bodies. He starts taking little bits at a time. Um, and he would basically take things like, you know, a, a nipple or a, a layer of skin from the back. Or hmm. And the weird thing was with him. Oh, he's not is, taking like an arm bone or like a femur bone. Like this is like weird shit. No, so like he, he seemed entirely concerned with what he felt he needed at the time. So he would often take things like a, a head or some skin, okay. and then just literally just put it back, oh. um, and then like dig it all back up. Oh. I'm sorry, like bury it all back yeah. up, right? So, um, the big thing is here is he only did this with women of a specific age bracket. So, why is he doing that? Was it his mom's age? Exactly. Okay. So he starts basically um, collecting these things and starts sewing them together and starts building essentially a building her suit. Oh my god! Yes. So. Um, it's easy, like, again, it's easy to write off as actions as just, like, full-on depravity, and I'm not arguing it wasn't, but there's always a genesis for these kind of things. Um, so, with the loss of his mother, with her being this giant archetype, yeah. him trying to find his identity of who he is now without guidance, does he become what he sees as the predominant uh, figure of what someone's supposed to be, right? And mm-hmm. how do you do that? You go, build them. I guess you build a suit <laughs> for him or some shit. Now, there's a... There's and he was also like a self-conscious kind of guy with his looks and stuff. Do you think he 
was just building. Maybe he was hiding. Who knows? Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he yeah. was just like, I, there's a whole slew of things. And one of the big theories that I, I bumped into, which um, I think holds a little bit of weight, is, you know, being that he was often told he was supposed to be a woman, being that mm. the most powerful person in his life was a woman, yeah. being that um, he often said that he wished he was a woman, this might have just been a, a big issue of transgen- or transgender. He never dressed like one? He never, is there any uh, Never dressed like that? one, no. Okay. Um, but there was a story that he was obsessed with. Um, I forget who it was specifically, but it was one of the first women or first men to go through a uh, oh. sex change. I'm just really surprised he didn't cross-dress. And again, small town Wisconsin, if you're already odd enough, maybe But like on your own, not like out and about. Like, you know, I'm curious to know if he just like walked around his house with heels or something, you know? The problem is he did cross-dress on his own, but he just did it with a suit of skin. Oh my God. And danced around in his front yard during full moons. My God. Yes. So (laughs) he basically had this. He he started kind of recreating a lot of these things that he was reading about. Um, he made masks, he made all, he made lampshades, he made so many different things. We'll go over a quick list of them toward the end. Um, but at a certain point, Ed's desires, uh, begin to outgrow the realm of body snatching and eventually kind of lead to full out murder. Mm-hmm. At the time, Mary Hogan ran a small but reputable pub in Plainsfield and was said to share quite the resemblance to Ed mother, or Ed's mother, Augusta. And while Ed frequented the pub, he was said to never cause any issues until the night of December 8th, 1954. On that night, Ed pulled out a 32 revolver and shot Mary in the head while she closed down for the night. In an act that I believe would show signs of his true intent, Ed left the crime scene nearly untouched and dragged Mary off into the night, leaving police to only speculate on her disappearance and unfortunately give up due to a rise in missing persons in the area. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, that was another kind of thing, too, that when I was reading over the, the not the evidence, another fucking detective, no. but like kind of like what the crime scene looked like yeah. afterwards. The I think details. there's a lot to be said when it comes to the intent of somebody, um, when it comes to, you know, what they wanted out of the crime specifically based on how they leave the, the scene. Yeah. We had talked about Ted Bundy where, like, at first he would go in, you couldn't really find anything. And then eventually he just started becoming more manic and, and more uh, aggressive with things. And he mm-hmm. didn't really give a shit about it. And then the just sloppy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whereas he just goes in, doesn't face the person, pulls a trigger from the back. And then drags her off. He's not cleaning blood. He's not fixing anything to make it look like nothing happened. He's not even concerned about what's going to happen whenever people start asking what happened to her. And Mm. he doesn't want to face the victim. So he just wants something from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something you said about that, I guess. And as people do in a small town, people began to talk. And when the topic of Mary's whereabouts came up, Ed often would joke that Mary wasn't missing, but was at the farm right now. Oh, my God. Quote. And no one thought that that was just the worst fucking thing to say at the time. He's the oddball, man. I know, but then no one went to the farm? <laughs> um, well, the town also started to notice Ed's old, or odd habits and the fact that he actually was collecting human body parts. And okay. so this came up before. Somebody oh. actually saw heads in his house. Um, I believe it was one of the kids he was babysitting. So, oh my God. So that was still ongoing mm-hmm. while this was happening. So wow. he collected the heads. Those were one of the things that like kind of stood out. A lot of the other stuff was kind of hidden around and stuff, but mm-hmm. like he literally had just three heads hanging on the back of his door. And so when the kid freaked out to kind of calm him down, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Those are just shrunken heads from the South Pacific. My cousin was in the war. He sent those over to me. Don't worry. Also, maybe you shouldn't come over anymore. They were full-size heads, and he's convincing them they're shrunken heads. Maybe they were giant heads, (laughs) and they were shrunken to normal-size heads. Oh, my God. So, again, because he has this, like, oddball persona, he's literally, at this point, realizes that he can just hide in plain sight by just going, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
So for nearly three years after, Ed kept up his graveyard rituals until 1957. He struck for the second and last time with Bernice Wharton. Bernice ran the local hardware store, and Ed had definitely fallen on her radar of annoyances. And Bernice <laughs> also bore a striking resemblance to Augusta, and Ed had been flirting with her in his own odd, weird way. Mm-hmm. He would ask her to the roller skating rink. He would ask her if she wanted to go see the movies. Now, and she always said no. Always said no, very politely. Mm-hmm. Um, was obviously annoyed by it, but the social construct dictates that you don't yeah. freak out or whatever at the time. Um, she's also very much his senior, so like it's mm. kind of weird. You know what I mean? On the night of no, or I'm sorry, in the afternoon of November 16th of 1957, Ed showed up at Bernice's store to purchase antifreeze. And Ed had other ideas in mind, however, as he had also made sure to have a couple 22 rounds in his pocket. After purchasing the antifreeze, Ed asked to examine a rifle. He or he said he had his eyes on. As he examined the weapon, Bernice stood near the window examining a local townsperson's new truck. Ed used this opportunity to load the rifle and shot Bernice in the back of the head, killing her instantly. Typical Ed fashion, he left the scene nearly as it was, blood, bullet, casing, and receipt. Just messy as fuck. The gruesome scene was found shortly thereafter by her son, receipt and all. So he's the last person. Oh, and the name, wow. He's the last person. He doesn't give a shit. That's the thing. And like, that's where we start to start arguing, like, what is... The motivation here does he is he so bold and brandish and he frenzy? didn't know any better i don't think that's he was f- a he just wasn't smart enough to like know that's not what you should be doing exactly but he just was you know he it was just a lack of intelligence i think he took what he wanted but i also don't think he had the intelligence to look at the wherewithal of cause and effect yeah exactly yeah and, the cause and effect exactly. Yeah, exactly so by this time it made more than enough sense to find ed and see if he could provide any information on bernice's whereabouts Cops found Ed at a neighbor's house and asked him to uh, mention what he had done that day. Following a hunch, the officer asked him again to state his whereabouts, go through the story, where he seemed to have changed the story just a little bit. And when pressed on why that happened, his first response was, somebody framed me. (laughs) And they were like, for what? Idiot. Yeah. So um, while that's going on at Ed's farm, police begin searching the house. As the sun began to set, officers brandished flashlights to navigate Ed's filthy, hoarder-style house. One officer was searching Ed's shed when he felt something brush up against his shoulder. As he turned to face the object, he recoiled in horror as his flashlight lit up the body of Bernice Warden, hung upside down, freshly field-dressed as though she were a deer. Oh my god. Yeah. The rest of the night proved to be a long and torturous one for local police, and not only had they discovered one of the most brutal murders to ever befall Plainfield, they also began to uncover collections from Ed's nearly decade-long graveyard sprees. As the night progressed, they found... You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh. Bernice's head, her viscera, her heart, and her genitals, all in different places. Speaking of the genitals, that was in a box of nine other vaginas. Oh, my God. So, and again, this is just what happened. This isn't supposed to be a gruesome, gross So, most of them came from graves. Yeah, I mean, that's what he said. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and on that, too, you know, there's a lot of speculation as far as whether he was a cannibal. There's a lot of speculation as far as whether or not... He was a multiple murderer or a serial killer. That's the funny thing about this. He's not technically a serial killer. He's only killed two people confirmed allegedly by this point, right? So, yes, he did a lot of things that put him in same, if not far worse ranking. Oh, yeah. But um, there were a lot of disappearances in that area at the time. I was just about to ask then how close is like the nearest town, you know, another town over. You You know what I mean? Like if Mm -hmm. this is just... If it's a very small town, but then 20 miles that way, there's another town. Five biddies went missing from there. Like, it's not like and you that's can't why, travel. You know, like, if, if you're trying to sensationalize the story, it's easy to say that he probably was preying on other people and all those kind of things. 
But at the same time, too, he had a very specific MO where he was. Yeah. He sought out very specific uh, people with very specific body frames, body types, and very specific murder victims. Just looking like his mom. Exactly. So all the other people in the area were typically just kind of fell all over the board when it came to what specifically. And yeah. one of the most terrifying things that I was reading was like, how common is it to just like go missing in the 1950s in Wisconsin? Apparently, super, super common. Yeah, what the fuck? Oh my God. Yeah. So either aliens are picking people up, people are freezing to death somewhere, or like. I feel like there's just was a lot more serial killers than we just know about. Mm hmm. You know, because then maybe like the 50s is when they died. And, but prior to that, there was 50 years of murders that no one knew about. From and that's, that's a big way thing. Way more too. serial killers than we know about. Yeah. I mean, like. We know of the ones more recently as you know, police protocol and, and mm. kind of investigative aspects or even just kind of understanding a little bit more of the mindset goes. We understand a lot more of that now and we were yeah. able to quantify a lot more of them. That's not to say that there are more now. That just means that maybe we just sucked at knowing where they were earlier. Do you think his mom had anything to know? So the, all the people who went missing in that town... Not all of them look like his mom. Like, was was it kind of random? So it didn't say the town specifically, just okay. in the area. In the area. Okay, yeah. so theoretically, if they all didn't look like his mom, and there is a bunch of people that went missing, like, do you think maybe he learned some of the shit from his mom? Maybe she oh, that'd be was weird. killing people because she's like, you're not worthy of even being on this planet that because be you're just a piece fuck. of shit. Where it's just you know like, what I mean? Yeah, like a weird villain kind of thing. Yeah, that no one really knew she was doing this stuff too. I, I don't know if she could get close enough to physically do that to somebody because they were all like, oh, fuck you, I hate you, and then they would all run away. Or maybe he, then he did it. She had know, him do man. it. I know. There's so many different theories. Though. I feel like. <laughs> now we're just getting we into just go. Yeah, we just keep going and going. So anyway. It was probably a, an underground racket by the like the reptilians and probably Jester King at this point. Yes. Yeah. Definitely Jester King. Just kidding, Jester King. We fucking love you. <laughs> we know you didn't sponsor Augusta. We know you didn't do it. <laughs> um, you didn't travel back in time. No. So anyway, so they found those kind of things. Um one of the gross kind of details was that like some of those parts from Bernice were literally hours old and literally still steaming. Oh my God. Uh, as they were sitting in various areas. Um, they found multiple heads, including Mary Hogan. So that was kind of taken care of at that point, a box of noses, uh, multiple cured faces that he would wear as masks. Um, they also found bowls made from the caps of skulls. God, the smell. Could you just imagine the smell? Yeah, man. Ugh. Like a mask. Think of like, it's up against And apparently he wasn't really good at this either. So like they just it, look like shitty masks. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, they found, I, I didn't keep scrolling because I looked up Google to see what this guy really actually looked like. And mm -hmm. he looks like a very approachable janitor. He looks like school. Elmer fucking Fudd. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it's amazing. It's the same hat. Yeah, You're exactly. So right. That's probably, and then I stopped scrolling. Shit, what if that's oh my God. Because of the gun. That, isn't it? Didn't he use a Kill shotgun? So... Um, as you're listening, if you're not driving, do yourself a favor and go on Google. <laughs> they show the picture of the lamp. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, in its entirety. Go ahead and look up one of uh, the most uh, notorious things they found was the nipple belt. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there's a belt made of nipples. Uh, there's also a uh, human skin taut drum. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get flagged for typing in nipple belt on Google right now. Listen. Oh, it's a real. So these are like photo photos these yes. are real shit yes fuck fuck and so fuck. <laughs> fuck look at the chair what the fuck it's like you can see their faces yes 
So, Bree, that's exactly... I'm so glad you just did that because, like... I, it, it looks like a Nike! It's what? a fucking Nike! He made Nikes? He's making fucking Air Jordans? <laughs> oh, God. That's that's a fuck. That's that. not real. But still, it's an, it's actually like a shoe made out of... So, people, I'm so but... glad you did that because that was oh one thing God. I was going to touch on later, too, is like, it's so easy to hear these things and become desensitized yeah. to them. But then when you've never actually seen Ew. it with your eyes and it gives it gravity that these things fucking exist, this happened. This and there's is, a lot of photos of him, too. Yes. So, um, they, again, we kind of went over most of the stuff. And lastly, uh, there was a near full suit, again, that we talked about earlier, that Ed admitted that he would wear and prance around in the front yard uh, during full moons. Yeah, the vertebrae lamp. The vertebrae lamp. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty fucking I just metal. had to spin my computer around to him because I didn't want to, like, interrupt him again with just screaming, like, what the fuck? But. Yeah, so, again. Wow. How do you feel about that one? <laughs> Sorry, what? No, yeah. I'm <laughs> so Ed was arrested, placed in a mental institution after doctors agreed that well, he'd been suffering good. from some serious schizophrenia and therefore was not able to stand trial. He was later oh, found wow. guilty. Yeah. Uh, he was later uh, found guilty of only one of the murders and spent his days in a psychiatric ward. At the Why not the second one? They never so said they lit from one thing that I had heard was they didn't want to waste the finances on it. She didn't really have a lot of kin. Oh. So it was just kind of like, a well, we found her. We know he did it. You know wow. what I mean? So. Because he was going away forever, so it didn't yeah. matter. But like to me, that matters. Like I you, agree. Should you should be able to get some sort of yeah. on a case. Yeah, thousand percent. That's insane. Um, Did you know you could buy? Um, oh my god, um, edgy onesies. Oh god, is it just like a bunch of sewed up shit? No, oh, that's real. It's like oh, actually you god. could buy, and it looks like a onesie compiled of people. Okay, that's I'm a not- real thing. That's a real thing you could purchase. I'm not proud to admit this, but I might have already purchased a uh, a Tri County High School penguins hat from the school from that area, just as my little tip of the hat. Really? Of like, yeah. Literal tip of that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. So yes. Okay. So he died in a mental institution at the age of 78 years old. Uh, ideally, a model prisoner, um, with literally no one had anything else but nice things to say about oh him in the, in the prison so i mean no one ever had anything bad to say about him besides when they started getting a little sketched out mm-hmm. you know i mean for townspeople to allow him to watch their children i think is a huge testament of the faith that they had in this guy and just how kind of innocent i guess he came off to people yeah there's a couple final thoughts that i had on this um and again, I feel like I need to toe this lightly because I'm not trying to like be on his side because he did a lot of fucked up shit. And he deserves probably more than no, what but he I'm ended really happy that you. The main premises of this story was his upbringing. Yeah, like everything was graphic, and you know you went into on that, but it was mostly about like I mean he definitely suffered. That's the thing. Growing like, up, he, he just, suffered. He seems to me like a person who never really got a chance to develop into just like a normal yeah. society agreed upon person. Yeah. And like, but like I said, what he did was terrible. Should never be forgiven. Absolutely. But it does seem as though he's not a victim of his upbringing, but he very much is uh, kind of a testament to what can happen mm-hmm. uh, when very negative and caustic environments um, are left unchecked, um, have a very, very profound impact on people. And, and maybe even coupling that with some sort of um, disability or some sort yeah. of kind of like just not being able to fully function or learn. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's Ed Gein. So, well, fuck a duck. So, yeah, as we were going through <laughs> that, though, remember, we had Norman Bates with his relationship with his mother. That doesn't seem like... Oh, yes. Yeah. Bring this. Yeah. So the movies and yeah. so... 
stranger what no psycho what did you say so, what so are the norman bates with norman his mother. bates yes yeah. which so, that i did not know yep. then and but then when you hear that story how just real is that yeah that, yeah, that happens absolutely when you look at buffalo bill who is a transgender man who is basically trying to build a suit out of women oh i be, didn't know that yeah. i don't know anything about him oh so so yeah silence of the lambs um, oh, duh. That's yeah. why it's based. Okay. So, Silence of the Lands, Buffalo Bill. It puts the lotion in the fucking basket. Yeah. Like that thing. It's been so long since I've seen that one. So, but they even, and I didn't even realize it until I was reading through this. Uh, they did such a good job at even throwing in like little cues that I don't think a lot of people would pick up on. Like he has a slight lisp in the oh, movie. Oh, wow. Uh, he looks down and giggles often whenever he's uncomfortable. Wow. Um, that's genius yeah. to incorporate. I mean, those details. He that's... lives in a hoarder style house. Wow. Like That's super then, smart. You have Leatherface who's just trying to chainsaw everyone's face off. Yeah. Yeah. And wear them, right? Uh, you know, hence Leatherface. <laughs> yeah. So, You're fucking right. <laughs> the last little thing um, that I found that really spooked me out because it is getting close to Halloween. Um, they interviewed somebody who grew up down the road from Ed. Mm. And so he basically said that uh, he would have long walks home at night from, from a job that he worked. Uh, he would often pass the Gein Farm last. And he noticed a soft light of a gas lamp in the living room through moldy shades. Uh, he mentioned how he would save all of his strength and sprint those last hundred yards past Ed's house, not because he was afraid of Ed, but because of the things he knew might be going on behind that wall. Oh, my God. Fucking creepy, right? Huh. Yeah. So they really had a pretty solid thought that some crazy shit was going on i mean the guy's dancing in a skin suit under like full. so moonlight. how many people saw him do that i don't know okay that was something that he kind of admitted he to. said yeah because you didn't say that anyone saw him do that so mm-hmm. that was just something he like maybe no one saw him but maybe someone just maybe people just saw him dancing in the moonlight and didn't see what he was wearing or anything because maybe yeah. it was from a distance and, and, and now then, they hear it and they're like oh my god yeah and then so uh on the so with that, um, Plainfield became very, very popular overnight. People flooded in to see this house, like this whole, hmm. like, he was the butcher of Plainfield, right? Yeah. So uh, before the house went on auction, the townsfolk uh, collectively got together, said, fuck that noise, and went over there and set it on fire, and nobody stopped them. So, I don't blame them at all. Still, nothing sits there to this day. Wow. And then that's pretty much the uh, saga of Oled Gein. I mean, for a town that's just in the middle of nowhere on purpose, strategically, you don't want everyone and their brother, especially, you know, us fucking crime junkies driving into town just to go see the house. You know, it would be good for some of the small businesses, but that's not exactly what you want to be known for. God, no. So why not just try to literally bury it and try to forget that that ever happened? Because mm-hmm. they all probably still know someone to this day who's related to someone that either dug up or actually killed. So yeah, and that's I don't thing, blame like, and, and that's the one of the unfortunate parts, too. And I was thinking about this last night while I was uh, doing some of the research was, um, you know, oftentimes we know these names of the people that did these things. Mm-hmm. And like almost nobody can name the, the victims. No, it's never. And I was I was thinking about that. Except Manson, just because they were famous. That's it. Yeah, that's but, the only reason why you can kind of. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that a lot of those people uh, went through things like that or something happened to their body thereafter. And we'll just never know. And now, I mean, basically that one, it's not an unsolved mystery, but I mean, that's a cold case. They, she never mm-hmm. actually got closure on her killer. Yep. So they didn't convict him. So that's pretty fucked. I mean, even then, somebody could have killed her, right? Well, even though he said he did. Mm-hmm. Somebody could have killed her, buried her, and he just dug her up. Who knows? That's true. That not probably wrong. didn't happen. That didn't he happen. He definitely did it. Wasn't like she still, was that the one who was steaming? Or no, no he got convicted for the one that was still steaming. Yeah. The other girl wasn't. Okay. Yep. 
um, such a fuck. There's old Ed Gein. <laughs> well, Ed, I don't think uh, I don't think we'd be friends. So next, Sorry. yeah. Sorry, next bud. time you're watching a movie and it seems like this big scary monster is like this crazy thing that doesn't exist, please keep that in mind. Yeah, that does exist. Yep. And the real person that influenced that did far worse things than just Leatherface chasing you with a chainsaw. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. So well, that was my nightmare fuel for the week. Yeah, sleep well tonight. You know, get to know your neighbors, basically. <laughs> watch your uh, watch your back, because someone might be wearing it. Hey, you got a little wendel on your back. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, if I hit this mic with my hat one more time, man. Jesus Christ. We're going to have to take your hat away from you. <sighs> all, right. all right. Well, that's all I got. So I don't know what the next... Well, no. The next one, you said you got a specific thing from another movie, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm excited about that one. Should be. I'm not going to act as weird and excited about it as you do about your episodes, but... It's just this one. It was like the first serial killer I ever, like, (laughs) fell upon. You know what I mean? (laughs) Fell in love with. (laughs) Thank you. Murder boner. Murder boner. Bye, guys. Bye. Dead. Dead.